Hello everybody, Mitch Michaels here. It's time for another edition of the Money Mitch Effect. Today's show, I'm going to talk with TD St. Matthew Daniel, host of Make It Take It, the podcast. Second time on the show for him, we're going to break down the impending what looks like retirement of Manu Ginobili, tell some stories there, and look ahead at the Cavs and Warriors. In the finals, we recorded this uh, the day before the Cavs completed their five-game victory over the Boston Celtics. Warriors were already in. We'll look at both of those teams, how they are going to approach the finals going forward. And I'm going to talk to Matt Wittenberg and Joe Crisali, two of my good friends, former NFL Network co-workers, about the baseball season. It's been an interesting month plus of baseball action. Rockies in front. I get to brag a little bit there. Some surprise teams pacing the way and some underachievers as well. It's good to talk to Matt and Joe about that. It's the Money Mitch Effect, and it starts right now. All right, it's time to talk hoops on the Money Mitch Effect. Coming back on the show the second time now officially into that reoccurring guest status, the host of the Make It Take It podcast, TD St. Matthew Daniel. TD, welcome back to the show. What is going on, Mitch? Again, props to getting the last name right. My last name is kind of tricky. A lot of times people add a little extra S on the back end. So, But you did it, though. You I got, got it you. right. I do have to say, though, appreciate the podcast plug. But for some reason, I just like calling it. This is what it's officially named because I named it. Obviously, mm-hmm. make it take it the podcast. Okay, so it's no, a little different. That's on me. It's a little different, but you know, it's it's just something silly of mine. Or right? in my mind, I like to think that makes it stand. You know, it makes it a little different. You know, but that's all. It is. It's all branded. It's all branded, man. Okay, make it take it the podcast. I got it. All yep. right. I got it. And yeah, I, I got your last name. We used to work together. I remember all those emails. So <laughs> I'm, I'm good yeah. There. It, yeah, it's, honestly, the, the truth of the matter is, it's it's make it take it the podcast. Once when I first started make it take it, I was writing. It started as a little blog, and I made the podcast version. And I've been way too busy moving and changing jobs to the point where I haven't written in a long time. So it's really just a podcast now. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's definitely worth a listen, and it's one to go to for all hoops talk, especially this time of year. When we're down to now three teams left, the finals are looming. It looks like what we all thought they would be. But the series, TD, that's still going on, that Eastern Conference final, 3-1 Cavaliers. And I got to say, for a playoff picture that has been pretty predictable, start to uh, just about finish, those last two games in Cleveland were not exactly what a lot of us expected. That had to be at least stunning for someone that follows hoops like yourself to see the Celtics steal game three. And have a good chance of game four before the Kyrie game happened. That's exactly right. But I'll pull the curtain back a little bit. And I'm not just going to sit here and and be like, oh, I know I saw this coming the whole way and and this and that. Like, for for one, I'm not one for prediction sports radio. That's not I'm not a big fan of that. But I will say this, though. Speaking of me being too busy with like work and whatnot, honestly, before the series started, I was going to tweet out and I didn't because I was too busy at work. But I was going to tweet out. The Celtics can make this interesting for two reasons. One, they have home court, and two, Al Horford can cause some problems. If he plays his best, mm-hmm. I can see him making it interesting. Thankfully, I didn't tweak that out because, again, I was busy. And those first two games happened, and I was like, well, just be quiet, TD. Don't say nothing. <laughs> Don't say nothing. And then, obviously, Isaiah Thomas is, it, you know, gets injured, is out for the rest of the playoffs, and then game three in Cleveland happens. And we all know how that went down. LeBron having another really, really weird game, which we can get into here in a second. But 
even in game four, you know, they made a little, you know, they came out strong. And honestly, this time I did tweet and I, and I did say, hey, this NBA season, not just the playoffs. Everyone's talked about the playoffs being so predictable and exciting. I would take it a step farther. This entire season has been so predictable and has been chalk yep. that I don't I, I'm ready for whatever curveballs this um Celtics Cavs series wants to throw at us. I know Cavs are ultimately going to win, but whatever deviations and detours this series wants to take before it gets to its ultimate destination, I'm fine with. This adds some a little excitement. Because like honestly, man, this is a bigger picture of the NBA and this what could be an issue overall for the NBA moving forward is just how Again, just how predictable the season has been. Everyone saw everything coming. The biggest stories of the NBA season, the you know, the Warriors obviously being great again, the Cavs and Warriors being in the finals, even Russell Westbrook's insane season was predicted. Everyone knew with Durant leaving, Westbrook was going to step up. You had two NBA players, Austin Rivers, shout out to Austin, and <laughs> CJ McCollum, who both predicted Austin would average a 30-point triple-double. Like that happened last oh, yeah. year in the offseason. Yeah. So as a, even as amazing as Russell Westbrook season was, even that was predicted, right, and expected all around. So in James Harden's season as well, you know, being with D'Antoni, being the point guard essentially in that system, um, everything has you know par for par for course right now. And so if this series, you know, like it was looking like you know midway through Game Four. Was could could have been you know two two series tie, um, it definitely was intriguing. Right. But all that said, obviously Kyrie went Uncle Drew on us and uh, put <laughs> put that to rest. So I do expect them to close it out in five. Game three was weird for you know a bunch of reasons. Marcus Smart going you know going all Steph Curry from three. LeBron having a game that he hasn't had since the first Miami Heat big three finals against the Mavericks where he. He scored eight points in a game during that series. This was crazy to me, how LeBron's got eight points in a finals game. But uh, yeah, it looks like you know we're still we're still on course and on par for the you know Warriors and Cavs pretty soon. Yeah, it, you mentioned everything being predictable, even the Knicks being a train wreck. That was predictable yeah. too. I mean, we oh, man, they, we can that would be <laughs> honestly that that would be actually that we could do a show on that, like just how everything went yeah. happened according to plan. Well, you know what? A couple of things about this series. Game one, uh, we knew Boston was coming off of just playing that Washington uh, game seven two days earlier. Cleveland was well rested. You don't want to make excuses, but you figured that Cleveland was going to come in there fresh and, and take that game. You know Isaiah was, was hurt. We, we learned that after the fact. But game three was odd in that LeBron just looked a little disengaged, almost like he thought he could put it on cruise control. But the other side of that, TD, and they may very well lose in five games, the Celtics, but Brad Stevens can flat out coach. I mean, my oh, goodness. Gosh. I mean, if we're talking about, we always talk about passing the torch in sports, you know, who's going to be the next best players. Let's let's talk about coaching because I think Greg Popovich might one day pass the torch to Brad Stevens. He's, those three out-of-bounds plays at the end of that game were just brilliant. That's that's a great take, man. That, 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 that is a good take right there, and it's true, too. Let's take it back to Avery Bradley shot to win the game, and once that happened, I was just so amazed. And I tweeted out, like, man, the fact that we had a set play, set design play to, for a buzzer beater in the NBA is so unheard of. And I know they have Isaiah. It'll be interesting, interesting to know if they would have run that play even with Isaiah in the lineup. I think they would have because, yeah. you know, that's what Coach Stevens does. But 
you know, it's a play they've run before in, cl- in crunch time, but it was so unique that they ran it with, like, legitimately last possession. Every good player, every guy who plays at home in, in their backyard and driveway to NBA, you all think about five seconds left on the clock, ISO hoops. And I know some teams do it differently for sure. Thankfully, in this day and age, you know, Spurs, the, the Warriors, even the Cavs, like LeBron's not always going to take that shot, even though he got heat for that growing up. Like, Early in his career, like always take the shot if you're the man. Nah, he's gonna pass it to Daniel Marshall in the corner if Daniel Marshall is open for the open three, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but this this was a little bit different. It wasn't like attack as that one player, and if someone else gets open, like how Jordan did did to Steve Kerr and whatnot, that guy takes the shot. No, this was different in the sense that it was a set design catch and shoot play to win the game. You never see that. And that just shows, you know, the the faith that not just Brett, Coach Stevens or even the players have in the system. Um, and Coach Lou came out today, I believe, and you know we're recording here on a Wednesday. Coach Lou said, "Hey, this this offense is tougher to prepare for than the Warriors. He already knows what the Warriors are going to do, um, but the stuff the stuff the Celtics the stuff the Celtics do that's just way more complicated to him. Um, yeah. So yeah, much love to Brad Stevens. Yeah, he talked about, uh, and I'm paraphrasing for uh, the uh, clean lyrics side of this podcast, but they have a lot of movement. I think is what he said. That's uh, right, and." You know, he called plays for Horford and Jarebko at the end. So, I mean, it, it just goes to show you what a good coach he is. And game four, I do want to switch to that because that was more good coaching. They had a game plan for how to slow down LeBron early, and it was working. And he gets in foul trouble, four fouls in the first half for the first time in his career. Kyrie was amazing, 42 points in the game, 21 in the third quarter TD. But I just don't think Boston was ready and had enough firepower to stop Kyrie in addition to stopping LeBron I'm not taking anything away from Kyrie but when you game plan for shutting down one guy and then this other all-star top 15 top 10 player goes crazy I don't care who you are it's going to be a tough task you're right you're right on that point I mean again Kyrie went Uncle Drew on him and (laughs) that's the thing like in a lot of the sports media hot take world today was all about is Kyrie the best player LeBron's ever played with you know obviously Comparing him to D Wade, right. that's a whole different conversation for another time. Kyrie, he has a scoring talent. He's proven it time and time again. It's just, it's, there's not much you can do when a guy gets hot like that. And that's why, ultimately, every other team, and it goes back to the season being so predictable, every other team that's not a super team can just take a back seat right now because LeBron kind of has it kind of easy in a sense because. We give all this love to LeBron for how great he is, and which he clearly is, and he had an amazing finals. But we also his the team around him is also pretty amazing. Yeah, they're like, a super know, team. <laughs> they're a super team. We know the Warriors are a super team, no question. Maybe yeah. because they added Durant, who was another MVP, and they have two MVPs. I understand it, but there's an argument to be made that if you went the Warriors' first eight players versus the Cavs' first eight players, the Cavs might tie him based on. Who's the better player for each role? Like, if you win LeBron versus Curry or LeBron versus Durant, as like, okay, here's your top player. Who's better? LeBron wins that one right right now. The Warriors will win Curry or Durant versus uh, Kyrie. Probably, you know, they'll win that. But from that point on, it gets kind of tricky. It gets a little bit trickier. The Cavs are an overall great team as well. But a lot of times we kind of look at it as like LeBron's just dragging his team along with him. And then you just, you just it's just great to see when Kyrie you know, puts brakes on that. It's like, no, 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 you get a guy out here who could very well be an MVP in this league one day, or at least the, the leading scorer in this league one day, and uh, a finals MVP, he showed such potential last year, and that Cavs team, man, they are also 
also potentially one of the all-time greats. Uh, one of the all-time, let me know one of the all-time great teams, but definitely up there with the you know with the best in the, in in most eras. Right, and Kevin Love has been playing better. He was an he's offensive. He's been playing so beast. much better. He's he's not a defensive liability at all. Um, yeah. We even saw Shumpert and J.R. Smith give them something, which you know they had been missing. I want to yeah. end this series talk with this TD. I, I don't think. Real quick, I'll say this yeah, though. I'll say this. I gotta say, offensively, the Cavs are one of the best teams of right. any generation for sure. No, and they, defensively, they had struggles. Yeah, and we're gonna see about that toward the end of this. I want to just look ahead yeah. briefly, but I think I, I'm not ruling out Boston in Game Five. I, I think no way it goes past six. But Boston at home, I know they've been dreadful. I just think Stevens is gonna get this team ready, and we'll see how focused really. Dead set because Cleveland has had some issues with focus. I mean, they blew a twenty-point lead at home in Game Three. I mean, I'm not. I'm just not ready to say for one hundred percent. I'd say there's about a you know twenty percent chance that Boston can make some magic happen. Yeah, I mean, and that Game Three was odd for a number of reasons, like you said, twenty-point lead and LeBron, which we haven't spoken about. Um, and I just quick detour to LeBron there and yeah. that game. And yes, everyone <laughs> has bad games, and I saw the very next day. It was like, well, Jordan also had bad games. There's a game he had in the Eastern Conference Finals, I believe, in the early 90s, where he was two for 22 at end of three. The difference between that game, and I'm not delving into the MJ-LeBron conversation, (laughs) um, but the difference between that box score, two for 22 at the end of three versus what LeBron was, which was like four for 13 or whatever, was that MJ was two for 22. He wasn't hitting shots, but he was gunning. Like, he was actively in the game trying to make something happen. That Cavs game looked weird, not because of LeBron's box score. It just overall he looked disengaged, and there's been talk about lack of rest, which I think is bogus, honestly. Because I'm I'm team rest, I'm team shorten the season. I'm completely on board with that. But the Cavs have had so much rest this right. postseason. Where yes, LeBron, if you have to play three games in five, night, five <laughs> nights and in the playoffs and look engaged in all three yes you you should be able to lebron for crying out loud so that was odd that one was an odd one to me we really don't know exactly what happened but i will say just to recap this random detour here with the whole lebron and jordan thing because that's a hot topic these days i know every day it's just every day it's brought up i don't i don't know i I can't live in that world where it's every day but (laughs) i'll say this I remember the season, aside from it being super predictable, I remember the season for being the year in which LeBron versus Jordan became a mainstream conversation. Before it was taboo. Before it was like, don't touch Jordan's legacy. But this year, it's a mainstream conversation that I believe is more legitimate than Kobe versus Jordan ever was. This is the year where it's like you're you're seeing interesting arguments from both sides. I I'm not ready to have the conversation just yet for other reasons, but I will say this, and I said this last year, LeBron put a notch on his belt winning that finals that yes, puts him in that potentially in that in that realm of like yes, we, when we look at that both of their careers, Jordan never had anything quite like what LeBron did last year. Jordan had a bunch of other things that LeBron doesn't have. Mm-hmm. Well. You know, LeBron has some insane, inexplicable lows that MJ never had, like Game Three, for example, or the you know the Mavs series where he he scored in less than ten points in two different games that series. Yeah. MJ doesn't have those on his resume, so 
But I will say this though, it became a mainstream conversation that yeah, it, it you know it, some could have. I'm not going to have a conversation just yet, but I will say it's definitely number two. I definitely would agree with that. And he he can eventually be, you know, be seen as the greatest player of all time. I'm a big MJ fan. I'm not afraid to say that. Yeah. But maybe maybe not yet. Well, um, I mean, but, the, the resumes aren't done yet, so we'll have to yeah. see. I, I just want, you know, and it, it's a fair discussion to have given what LeBron's done, but I just want everyone to acknowledge how much harder it was to score back then. Well, yeah, can we no acknowledge question. that with the hand check? Like, I mean, okay. I, I know that I'm a big, you can only really compare numbers in the era. You know, you can look at impact, but it, mm-hmm. it's it's a new game. I mean, what would, I got to think Jordan's north of 40 a game in this era, in his peak. That's all I'm going to float out there. But. Oh, yeah. And, and that's the crazy thing, too. I always tell people who didn't get a chance to watch him play, MJ was Kobe-like scoring, but with LeBron-type efficiency. Like, MJ's efficiency numbers were up there, too. His shooting percentages were up there. It, there were no joke. And every year, year after year, his playoff numbers were better during the playoffs. Right. And I know LeBron has, the same, has that same notch in, in his resume, right. but most players – most players, they take a noticeable dip in their numbers, not for LeBron and not for MJ. So it was just, it was again, think about a scorer like Kobe, but with the efficiency like LeBron, where you're not out here just, you know, being a volume scorer. MJ was never a volume scorer. And you know, he would have uh, definitely worked on that three point shot if he was in That's the era where it was important. That's so the I just, thing. He, guy made weaknesses his strength. They said he couldn't defend. He became yep. all defense, you know. All that's right. the thing. We'll MJ see. was, yeah, he was very <laughs> cerebral. I, that's that's in general for yeah. both, like, errors and, like, how people play now. Like, who was it the other day that was taking threes and making threes? Um, it might have been, like, Powell or yeah. there was a big that was just taking threes. And I'm like, okay, that just shows you what today's game is. Because this same player six, seven years ago was told not to take that shot. They didn't have so if you, if that's a shot you're not taking in games, that means you're not working on it in practice. That you that's that means the coach is not designing. That means you're not even at that at right. that you know on the floor in that side of the floor or on that side of the floor because that's not even an option in today's game. It is an option. So what you're yeah. seeing is these guys are going in the gym working on that shot. So yeah, of course, man. If you know. Look at all the, the threes they're taking now. If that was the game back then, those guys would have taken that many threes as well. Larry Bird also have taken so many threes as well and even worked more on his three-point shot. But back then, it wasn't a thing to do. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, that one thing's for sure, and that debate will never die and there'll never be a clear victor. So, all right. Well, we'll look forward to that for the next 20 years. But yeah. let's move on to the Western Conference now. TD, St. Matthew, Daniel on the money. Mitch, effect. The other series is over. The Warriors becoming the first team in NBA history to start the playoffs 12-0. and They sweep their way to the finals, past the Spurs, which game one, Kawhi Leonard goes down, changes the entire series. More injuries for the Spurs. They're already without Tony Parker, lost David Lee in game three. But be that as it may, the Warriors are moving on. I just, I got to mention, before we talk about the Warriors and how great they've been, TD, we may have seen the last game of Manu Ginobili. And that'd be a big loss for that older generation. I don't know if he's done. He looks like he could still play. But what's your what's your takeaway from the career? I know it's a it's a lot it's a lot to process. But what's the takeaway of what you know? What his impact was on the NBA. Just a gamer, man. That dude was a gamer, and obviously the Euro step too. I and I know the others who would pull that move off. But when I think of the Euro step, I think Manu. Um, I think of a of a two guard who was you know score the ball. But he could handle it enough to to be a setup guy too. Um, I look at a guy like Devin Booker, and I think 
Manu-ish is what he can become. He's a little bit more of a scorer. You know, shoots a little bit more. But being able, you know, being that size, 6'5", 6'6", thereabouts, and being able to handle, you know, use the pick and roll. Um, he's just, he was a slithery, man. That's what Manu's game was. He was so slithery. He was almost elastic in a sense, you know, he, in the way he moved. And it was a certain poetry that came to his game. And now you see that now with everybody doing, like, the Euro step and whatnot. So, um, for me, again, a guy who was just, you could always depend on, man. You could always depend on him. I think I saw a stat the other day of him being, I think he's like the plus minus oh, on, on court. When he's on the court, his team scores more. I forget what that status is called, but he's like the all-time champion with that. When he's on the court, knowing that most of his career he came off the bench in San Antonio because that's the type of player it was. He was about the team, and he ended up being in a situation after being a really late second-round draft pick and and just lucking out with that one team he played for. So, I mean, that in addition to his international prowess and, you know, playing for Argentina and what he's done for the world game. A lot of questions. Well, is he a Hall of Famer? Of course he's a Hall of Famer. Yeah. You cannot tell the story of basketball without managing it all. especially on a global scale. So, um, definite Hall of Famer and one of the... Yeah, I'll tell you what, I, I have a really long commute from home, like I said, from work on a daily basis and the game was over. You know, the Warriors had definitely, you know, put it away and you know, I have an hour drive home, but I waited. I waited to watch the very end of that game. You know, I wanted to see Manu uh, you know, being taken out of the standing ovation and all that. It's true. I'm giving a standing ovation myself <laughs> in the yeah. office, man, just because he, he, he's a legend, man, no question. He's a legend, and especially when you factor in a global scale. So, um, yeah, big shout-out to Manu, man. Big shout-out. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's always sad when you see, you know, players uh, retire, and, and we, we're getting to a point in our lives where we, we're starting to see careers start to finish. It's kind of interesting to see that journey, you know, from the young upstart, which, by the way, if there's anybody young out there listening, you got to get an appreciation for just how dynamic young Manu was. All that yeah. flair, all that athleticism, you know, just yep. something is the Euro step finishing with the left hand. We hadn't really seen that in this era. But then you had that older Manu who you could see that, you know, the athleticism was fading, but just so intense, so smart, was able to make plays. The passing that kind of revolutionized this new era of, of two guards that could really pass and you know you mentioned being a gamer being dependable you could count on him to make the play and it didn't just talk about scoring it wasn't just about passing it was diving for loose balls it was taking you know, charges taking yep. charges the block on uh harden obviously comes to mind in, in recent respects but there was uh and i don't know if you remember this t-day there's, there's one play i mean he, he's won finals he's made you know countless big shots and big plays in them but there was one sequence that i think sums up his entire career he was playing Denver the last year Melo was on the team. And I remember this because it was a Thursday night TNT game, and I think Duncan wasn't playing. Manu comes down, down one, drives the lane with like three seconds left, scores. And then the other end takes the charge as the buzzer goes to, to save the game. <laughs> that was his career. I mean, that yeah, was that's... just in, in any role, coming off the bench, being a superstar in, in when he was playing yeah. overseas and saying, all right, we'll be, you know, he'll be the sixth man. And, and you know what? It helped the team, and it also created that new role and now guys are now there's teams that have bench players that go 25 30 minutes a game and you know that was yep. Manu and we're, we're gonna miss watching him play but you know just to, to tip your cap to him and, and just appreciate what he meant to the game of basketball I mean come on he's a hall of famer I mean I don't I don't know no, there's no a lot question. of hot takes in this society now but that no, would be but scorching 
I feel like people just put that stuff out there so they can use the Twitter poll future. Is Melo Manu Hall of Famer? Yes or no? It's like, come on, man. Don't even ask us questions. Right. Um, yeah. And the last thing I'll say about him, too. Interestingly, you talk about young Manu and athleticism. I think it was one of the few guys who used his athleticism more so horizontally than he did vertically. And what I mean by that was, yeah, he still got up and got those nasty dunks every now and then. But he was so quick just – you know, moving his feet from side to side, again with the Euro step, again being able to get charges. To get charges, you got to get yourself in body settings, you know, in the space before, you know, for the offensive player gets to you. Um, so he was an interesting guy just how he played. And, again, that slithery motion, more so horizontal side to side steps than, than going up and down. So really, really fascinating player, really, really unique flair. He's one of those guys where, you know, just even when you talk about the virtual world and video games and whatnot, you couldn't build Manu based on every other player's sort of yeah. generic skill set. You almost had to build a prototype player uh, uh, for him, a signature jump shot, being a lefty again. So <laughs> yeah. those guys, man, they always stand out to me. The unique guys on the court always stand out. Yeah, you know, and uh, it's it's a beautiful thing in the respect that you know, we're going to see his game through this next generation of players. I know you're a big Rubio guy. I see some of yeah. the passing. You know, I you, you already see this next generation that grew up watching him that, you know, got to play against him. So we'll see. I mean, sure. it was a heck of a career for Manu Ginobili, but it may or may not end. Well, we might see him back, but he, he does have that choice, as Draymond Green said, where he's not a liability at this point in his career. He, he still can play, and, and some people like to go out on their own terms. Well, TD, the Warriors 12-0, and 0, uh, This just the second team only to sweep their way to the finals, but the Lakers only played yep. play that first game, uh, a five-game series when they did it. But the Warriors looking good, and, and it's scary, too, with this team because you mentioned, I think, I think I saw it was you on Twitter, that if Draymond Green's hitting his threes, this team may be unbeatable in, in the no, 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 don't, don't, the miss, don't miss my words, Mitch. That's okay. not what I said. I didn't say maybe be unbeatable. I said. Okay, all right, I, clear it up. I, I, let me clear it up. I was like, if Draymond Green is hitting threes like he has been in these playoffs and he's taking them with no hesitation, that team is the most unbeatable team I have ever watched. Okay. Like, flat out. Right. No okay. hesitation. No, no, no pausing. No maybes. It, that is fact. And obviously, it's the question, is Draymond going to continue hitting threes? So far, he has in these 12 games. And the reason for that is this. He's the guy the defense has to leave open when they have to leave him yeah. open. When he's on the perimeter, especially. He's the one you're going to have to give that open shot to, flat out. right? You can't give the space to the big man, whether it be Zaza, especially JaVel down low, because then you're going to throw up the alley-oop. So you got to play those guys kind of differently. Obviously, Steph, Clay, or Durant can't be left wide open. So if Draymond is hitting those threes... There's absolutely nothing the defense can do. There are too many, there are too many holes to plug. It's like you know the water gushing out of the, you know the many holes. There's too many holes to plug, man. It's going to get wet. So yeah. even if Clay isn't hitting the shots consistently, like which he hasn't been in his playoffs, he's been in the slump. It's almost like Draymond and Clay have switched bodies in a sense in terms of based on expectations, how much they're hitting in the three ball. But honestly. If I was a Warriors fan of the Warriors organization, I'll take that. That's a trade-off I would take because I'll tell you this, though, Mitch. The defenses still have to respect Klay Thompson, whether he's hitting shots or not. Klay might miss 20 shots in a row. The defense has to be honest on him. They can't leave him open. They can't think that he's going to miss number 21. They have to play him. 
So if Draymond's hitting these threes, then that again that just breaks down everything the defense is trying to do. So that's why I, that's why I said that. So well, um, we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I, I do want to ask you quickly before we wrap this up. I want you to look at these three people going into the next round. The Warriors are twelve and zero, but we're assuming they're going to play Cleveland, and the competition will get steeper. How would you assess the needs for the Warriors to have these three guys, you know, with their team contributing? Clay Thompson, who's struggling now, is they going to need him against the Cavs to to step up? I mean, they've been able to win pretty easily without him. Iguodala's not playing well, and then the last guy is a Steve Kerr needed on that sideline. I mean, how much do those three, the impact of those three, which there hasn't really been much in the first couple rounds, how big of an impact is it for those guys against assumedly Cleveland? Well, I'll start off with the easiest one, which would be Iggy. I think Iggy will be fine. He's been hurt. I think he's going to get back in the rhythm. He's a veteran guy, but also as well, him being hurt was a reason, part of the reason why the finals ended up the way it did last year. You know, we didn't quite have the balance. He had some back injuries and back injuries suck. Scotty Pippen went. Scotty Scotty had those back injuries yeah, too. Yeah, in '98 in the finals, and you know, so that could be an issue. But I would assume with all the rest is getting, he's going to be healthy and be ready to roll. He's a veteran; he knows what to do. Um, so uh, let's you know, let's move on from him. Well, Coach Care, it's just so tough, man. With him, it's kind of like how I feel with Chris Bosh. I know Chris Bosh's situation is you know two years removed from it. It's happened a few times, but. Man, that's just general physical on a human level health where I just want him to be fine. Like, just as a human being, just worry about being good. Like, spinal spinal fluid leaks sounds horrible and terrible and painful. You know, Chris Bosh has blood clots and just just get good as human beings and healthy before we start talking basketball. The idea that him not being there proves they don't need him isn't true to me because he still set the principles for that team, right? <laughs> you know, there's still practice sessions. There's still, hey, <laughs> for people that don't know, NBA teams just, just don't go out there and play uh, mm-hmm. with no practice sessions without no script or nothing. This, is, this isn't a movie or TV show where these guys have scripts to follow. They have playbooks. They have notes on every opponent they're facing. I'm not saying Steve Kerr is out there the writing all these notes, but his his staff is and his staff that he's put together and the principals, all that with Ron Adams and, and Coach Brown and whatnot. Mm-hmm. These are all the guys he's worked with. So just because he's not on the sideline does not mean that he's not still a big part of what of this team's success and how they play basketball. The whole culture there is a big you know, is a big uh, part of Steve Steve Kerr's legacy. So I think his health is more important than anything. They'll be fine without him. Okay. Without him being on the sideline, but that okay. that doesn't mean he's not you know a big impact on the team because he is. And then last one is Clay. Clay Thompson. I already kind of alluded to this. Clay also gives you a lot on the defensive end. So forget what he's doing on offense. Defensively, that's big. Kyrie is a problem. Always going to be a problem because great offense always beats great defense. However, however though, you still got to have that great defense because you just never know. You know. Kyrie might miss those crazy tough followaways he takes. He might make him. But the fact that, you know, Clay's able to stick with him, has a little more size on him, that's key. So they're going to need Clay, and Clay's going to show up. Offensively, again, defense has to respect him no matter if it's hidden or not. So him just being out there is a big is a big part of the offense. He's going to pull gravity towards him. He's going to make the defense respect him. And then the times that the Warriors really need him is when he goes on those crazy hot streaks. Like when – he just needs to start shooting unconsciously five seconds into the shot clock. 
grabs the ball, shoots it unconsciously. Other than that, I think they'll be fine with both Curry and Durant doing what they've been doing so far, scoring like 28 points really efficiently. (laughs) So um, the guy they need most, I would almost even have to say is Iggy because Iggy, if he comes in and gives you some stuff, if he gives you 12, 13 points a game like he did a couple of finals ago, gives you some good defense and just stabilizes that bench unit, that's so key. That is, it gives them another dimension that which they don't have already. Sure, it'd be nice for Clay to go off for twenty and a quarter, twenty and a half on these day on one of these games, but they don't need that. Their team yeah. is still the same, um, even if Clay is not shooting a high percentage. Well, I gotta be honest, TD. I mean, with how they've looked, and and even with Clay not clicking, it's gonna be a tough team to beat. You know, I don't know that Cleveland has the firepower and then the defensive matchups, and you saw what gave. Them problems in the Boston series so far has been ball movement, and we're gonna get ready with that with Golden State and some some lethal shooting to go with that. It's gonna be tough, you know. It, it's it's uh, it's almost shaping up. I don't want to go to predictions just yet. You know, we'll save that for a later show. But you know that two thousand two thousand one Lakers team that went you know fifteen and one in the playoffs lost one yep. game to a monster yep. performance by a, a trans player. I feel like that could happen this year. I feel like it could be uh, a similar outcome where a transcendent player steals a game, but for the, four to the other guys. Yeah, I mean, the only reason we're hesitating towards saying that's definitely not going to happen is because of what happened last year. You know, mm-hmm. last year going to that finals, myself and my co-host and Make It Take It, the podcast, look, Murray, we predicted a sweep. We both were on the sweep bandwagon, uh, and obviously Cleveland won, won one of those first four games. Like, all right, cool. Well, it's going to be a four-game series. It looked like it was going to be a four-game series. And then Draymond got suspended, and the rest, you know, the rest is history with LeBron and Kyrie absolutely going off. So that's the thing. Like, I always, with series with LeBron, I always throw in the caveat of what if LeBron just absolutely gets Jordan level? which he absolutely did last finals. LeBron had the best finals of all time. Before that, I thought D-Wade in 2006 had the best finals of all time. But LeBron just I was insane last year. And I thought he had a chance to do the same thing in 2012, I believe, or 2011 against the Spurs, the last big three in Miami. I had the Spurs winning that series in five, which they did. But I had a caveat, too, that, hey, if LeBron wants to take his game to a Jordan level, then maybe Miami could do something. Mm. He didn't then. He did against the Warriors. So for that reason alone, that's why I'm going to hesitate and not say the Warriors in a sweep or the Warriors in okay. five. Okay. I do think it's more likely than not, though. I would say that much because we talked we talked about the Cavs' offense and what they can do offensively. Well, the Warriors can do that. The, what the, what this is what the Warriors the Warriors as a team is right. They are the Cavs' offense, the Spurs' defense. Actually no, let me let me let me let me let me, let me do it differently. Yeah, and, 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 and they are the Rockets' offense, uh-huh. given how well the Rockets shot the three ball this year, right? Uh-huh. They are the first defense, and they have the star power of the Cavaliers. Jesus. So you mix all <laughs> three things together, and you have a team that's insane, right? Because yeah, you get they, they it's they pretty cool. a competition problem, is what you're saying. You know what I mean? Durant's pretty close to LeBron, and Curry is a two-time MVP who last year had an offensive season like we, like we haven't seen since LeBron himself and MJ. So it's a tough squad to beat, man, and you have these little possessions here and there where Durant just, mm-hmm. you know, like, like last year they didn't have this, where like have Durant just do his ISO thing for like five, three or four possessions a game, and it's like, okay, <laughs> what answer do you have for that? And Steph, on the other hand, Steph has done the reverse this year. 
Whereas last year and two years ago, started off the regular season awesome and then kind of tailed off in the playoffs. This year, he's flipped it around. Wasn't that, by his standards, wasn't that awesome during the regular season? These playoffs has been off the chain, shooting the rock. He looks spry again, looks good again. So maybe he's on that LeBron program where he's like, you know what, I'm going to pace myself during the regular season because the playoffs is where I make this money. Yeah, MVPs are nice, but I ain't doing me no good last year. Yeah. This year, I'm coming to play it in the playoffs. Well, he's peaking. It's uh, it's a scary proposition for now only two possible teams left to try to deal with, but we think it's going to be one. The trilogy awaits. Uh, it, it's got to be better than The Godfather Part 3. We know that, but we'll have to see what happens. Well, TD, that was I, fun. I'll say, I'll say it is. I'll say this to wrap it up <laughs> yeah, on, yeah. The, on the Warriors-Cavs, impending Warriors-Cavs series. I think this might be the first time in history where a team wins the NBA championship and they don't even seem that excited by winning it. I think the, there's a chance the Warriors <laughs> win this series in like four, and it's like, okay, cool. Like, what, yeah. what, what, what do we now? do next? Yeah, what now? Wow. Because I, I, mean, I think it might. There's a chance it might be that easy. There's a chance it might be that. That's possible. If I'm not willing to camp out yet. If they win possible. the finals in four games, get ready for sports talk mania to be how the NBA is bad, how the oh, competition completely. sucks, completely. and that's going to be. That's going to be the story. Um, wow. Well, TD, we'll have to see what happens. Thanks for joining the show. And, uh, yeah, this was fun. And, seriously, congrats on a year of Make It Take It, the podcast. I know you celebrated your anniversary. So, you know, yeah, ha- good luck with that going forward. And uh, we'll, we'll be talking soon. I'm pretty sure of that. Sure, man. I, I, you know, one of these days, trying to get you on the show as well, man. Talk to myself and Lil Murray. Uh, we're always talking hoops. Uh, we haven't. We're not as frequent right now, just because of our work schedules. Law actually works works on uh, ESPN's NBA team. He used to work at the NFL, like like you and I. Mm-hmm. You and I used to. And yeah, I'm busy too with my crazy work schedule, man. I'm all the way in Burbank at Warner mm-hmm. Brothers, and it's you know it's it's tough to you know sometimes watch these games as closely as as I would like to, and then you know linking up time wise to record, but. Hopefully during the finals we record a lot more shows. So check us out, man. iTunes, Stitcher, and everything. We will. We will. All right, TD. Thanks again for coming on the Money Mitch Effect. Thanks to TD for taking some time to appear on the show. And a reminder, check out Make It Take It, the podcast. has some really good hoops takes. And, uh, yeah, it is good to look at this time of year. We have a full week till the final start. I don't know what I was thinking, thinking that the Celtics had a chance in Game 5, but be that as it may. All right, now it's time to talk baseball. Matt Wittenberg, Joe Crisali. Here's our thoughts a month plus into the season. We're not, you know, a lot of people, myself included, aren't really down in the X and O's of baseball while the hockey and basketball playoffs are going on. But Matt and Joe have been paying attention. They're here to drop knowledge on you from the baseball sense. Here's that segment now. It's Matt Winberg, Joe Crisali, talking baseball on the Money Mitch Effect. All right, now time on the Money Mitch Effect to talk baseball. It's been a while since we talked baseball, bringing the gang back together. Matt Wittenberg, Joe Crisali. Guys, thanks for joining the show. Thanks for having us, man. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, sorry, if, if there sounds like there's an echo in here, we're, we're testing out some connectivity. So we got the guys sharing a microphone today. 
real professional stuff. Just want to get that out of the way. Technical issues. At first. We'll, we'll manage. Okay. All right. Take well, away from you. <laughs> we'll, we'll get there. But the first thing I want to talk about in this baseball season, which, you know, a couple weeks and hockey and uh, basketball will be over and it'll just be baseball, is it's going to be uh, all baseball season. And I got to take the time to gloat about the Colorado Rockies. So. Knew it was coming. I, you know, we'll start with you, Whit, because yeah, you knew it was coming because we had that prediction show and we could check the tape. I'm a big check the tape guy, <laughs> and it's on there. And uh, the Rockies, though, to even my surprise, have looked like one of the better teams in all of baseball, not just a surprise playoff contender. I know it's early, Whit, but how have they been able to get to this point in the season to where they're a premier team? Yeah, well, we knew that they're going to have a dangerous lineup because, I mean, that's the Rockies staple. They play in cores where, obviously, the hitting is going to be skewed upwards, and they're taking full advantage of that. They're doing really well on the road as well. And uh, tied with the Rockies right now, both of them have 31 wins for the biggest uh, win total. I'm Honestly, I'm, my big question mark, and I think everyone's legitimate question mark with them, was their pitching. But so far, it's held up remarkably well, and that's without their presumptive ace John Gray's been on the DL so yeah I, I'm not sure if they're going to be able to keep it up the entire season I mean we are only <laughs> not even to the all-star break so they have plenty of time to fall off but I'm pleasantly surprised by them Nolan Arenado is one of my favorite players in all of baseball I love watching him play but I still think that my Dodgers are going to end up taking that uh, NL West crown and the Diamondbacks have been a surprisingly good competitive to start too all right all right Joe you, you brought up the, the point that you picked them as well to make the playoffs, but yeah, I just want for full disclosure, who did you have dead last in the AL Central last year? <laughs> Let's not bring that up. Let's not bring that up. I think that they that was the team that was in the World Series. In the it might have been. One, it might have been the American League World Series team. Okay. But um, <laughs> hopefully, it's not the same fate for the Rockies in the NL. Just yeah, tanking, be... completely tanking. I just can't let you take all the praise of the Rockies there. But like Wood said, their pitching has been really well up to this point. But if you look at their averages from home and away if they're at a course field they're a much much different team in the bat but their pitching has held up all season and that's really what's been keeping them to where they are yeah no they've been a good team this year i think you look at the record it speaks for itself but and i wanted to stay in the nls because with the dodgers they look like they're kind of what they were doing last year where they weren't first they didn't really catch the, the then it was the giants but they didn't really make their move until later in the season they kind of have that strategy. It's hard to argue against it because it's worked the last couple of years. But yeah. do you think it's a better situation, worse, about the same than they've been in in the last couple of years? How would you grade the first month or so, month I think and a half? it's substantially better than last season was just in terms of that they couldn't keep five guys in the rotation healthy. And now they kind of have a surplus of starters. So obviously it's uh, definitely better than the alternative. Um, I'm not super concerned with the slow start. The offense hasn't been great. I mean, watching the game last night, we're, we're recording this on, what day is it, Wednesday? Thursday. Thursday, Wednesday night against the Cardinals. <laughs> the days kind of just blend together. Yeah, they do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and watching them last night against the Cardinals and just look, absolutely get shut down by Mike Leake, who's obviously had one of the better seasons out of any starter, but just like, that lineup's way too good to be held down that long, so I think that they're eventually going to bust out of their slump and Adrian Gonzalez has just got off the DL Justin Turner needs to come off the DL now so I think that they'll end up putting it together and I think they'll end up winning the NL West by 
not a huge margin, but probably a healthy margin, like five or six games. We got to give love to the Diamondbacks. They're right there too. Uh, another surprise team, and, and I don't know if their success and the Rockies' success is in is independent of the fact that the Giants just haven't had it this year. I know Bumgarner goes down riding his ATV, but it's not just that. I mean, and and I say too, Joe Buster Posey having a really good season. And they're still having the same issues with run support. Their pitching is still not quite what we thought it would be. Do you think they turn it around? Absolutely not. They're pretty much dead last in every category. Yeah, almost it's incredible. Ranging, ranging from slugging percentage on base percentage. Their pitching is terrible. Their best hitter, Buster Posey, this season is going to go by the wayside because they have nothing around him. They have old man Denard Span in center field, Brandon Belt's at first base. He's Denard okay. Span's still in baseball, fun fact. When you're dependent on Eduardo Nunez to be your one of your top-tier guys. Pence is still out. Yeah, Pence is out, then you're probably not going to have a great season. Yeah, wow. I, you know what's crazy? I saw that stat where Posey's, like, of his home runs, most of them, they're all solo shots. Like, he's got seven <laughs> home runs. No one's on base. Guys. No yeah. one gets on base. So, we'll see, but... The 29th and on base percentage. This Giants. might be the most fun division, top to bottom, for what's going to happen. I mean, other than the Padres, just throw them out. But the, <laughs> the other four teams? <laughs> give, them a, give them a break. Yeah. They got a couple, <laughs> couple years, they'll be okay. Okay. Yeah, We're on that plan. Like huh? five or six, Yeah, maybe. five or six or a couple years away from being a couple years away. All right, yeah, well, just like the Browns. Just, yeah, just watch your mouth. I just to touch on the Diamondbacks real quick. But they were a team a little bit in the same vein of the Rockies where you knew that they were going to have a good lineup. and But they're, I mean, their pitching staff's definitely better than the Rockies' pitching staff, which uh, just goes to test show how well the Rockies have outperformed their expectations. But, yeah, the Diamondbacks are another team who have been on a tear lately. and Best home record in baseball. Yeah, they're in a <laughs> very hitter-friendly park, much like Coors. So. Yeah. Jake Lamb is playing like an all-star. Paul Goldschmidt is Paul Goldschmidt. So, yeah, and it looks like Zach Greinke finally turned it around from his, uh, let's call it a sabbatical, last season. Well, whereas we said the Giants are pretty much in last in every category, the Diamondbacks are top ten in every single category that there, there is, is it known okay, to baseball. Is it okay to make fun of Zach Greinke, or is that not socially acceptable? <laughs> I mean, he's he's top ten pitcher no, I mean, now he's this year. Yeah, like that's the thing, like, it wouldn't surprise any of us if he had a month from hell and, you know, was just was terrible. But then he has these months where he's unhittable, so I, I don't know. It's terrifying to yeah. be on his team or to go against him. But. That guy makes so much money, he should be consistent and throwing. Yeah. Tough well, pitch well, in that park, too, like, like well, I said. I want to look at the NL Central. We'll kind of just go in sequential order there. Because the Cubs, after today's game, I think the standings are updated, are now tied for first. With, with the Brew Crew. With the Brew Crew. I just want to say this on the Cubs. As bad a start as we could have possibly imagined, and yet they're still tied for first. I think there's a lot of teams in this division, St. Louis especially, that missed their opportunity. This is when the Cubs were vulnerable. They could have really gotten a cushion on, on them. And now... The Cubs, after having just about everything go wrong for them, are still in first place. I mean, there's a lot of season left. They're but a bad their 46 team, games. Their team, their team is just so young. They haven't really pieced it together. But they're calling. They called up Ian Happ. He's been absolutely raking. They got Javi Baez putting it together. Just waiting on Zobris. Chris Bryant, good as usual. But the guy that's really surprised everyone who's been tanking is Kyle Schwarber. He's hitting 186. Yeah, yeah, fantasy yeah. player. Well, you got to think with all the bats they have and with all the uh, the options they have. I mean, some of it is going to balance out. Like we knew, we knew uh, Jason Hayward couldn't possibly be as bad as he was 
at the end of last season. Uh, playoffs was a struggle watching it. They only kept him in because of his glove. Arietta's been dreadful. I mean, I, I think it's it's as bad as he's had a season as a pro. But they'll they'll be fine. I mean, they, and and we're seeing that this division's not really pushing them. I mean, the Brewers are a good story. They well, can't pitch. They're four games at about 500. Brewers can't pitch. They won't hold up. I, I predict them to finish third in this division. Okay. But they have a bright future. Their outfield is going to be absolutely stacked. We've got Lewis Brinson in the wings. He's going to be coming up. He's going to be a beast. You just stay away from uh, Ryan Braun. That's it. But where are uh, they? They're gonna, he won't be on that team by the end of the yeah, season. He should be. a Dodger by the trade deadline. Where are the Cardinals in this? Because everyone expected a bounce back here. They got some good young bats in that lineup. But, where, I mean... Is it, it's crazy that pitching, of all things, has kind of been letting them down at times. And I still think they're a good team. I mean, we saw this. They've had a couple battles with the Dodgers in the last couple nights. But I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm cooling on the Cardinals. I mean, I've had too many bad experiences with the Cardinals that, like, to ever write them off, I think they're probably going to be right there with the Cubs. Maybe not contending for the division crown, but I think they'll be in contention for a wild card spot. They'll, they'll hang around all season. And, I mentioned Mike Leake earlier, also a former Sun Devil, so I like seeing him do well. I just wish it wasn't for the for the St. Louis Cardinals. So it could be the Giants. I, yeah. so. <laughs> I mean, true. I did I did tell you last night we were watching the game that Cardinals uh, Dodgers game. That's going to be the NLCS. But to go back on your point, when you said <laughs> really, when okay. you all right, we're going to archive that one for the notes. go ahead archive that. When you said uh, that their pitching's letting them down, I think it's the complete opposite. Their pitching is probably. Their highlight of their team. They're mm, not. Yeah, their starters have been well, really good. They're not great yeah, at the I, plate. They're almost yeah. they are almost last in home runs. Their ERA, uh, team ERA, is second overall. I should have refined that. Early in the season, they got off to one of the worst starts the first couple weeks mm-hmm. of the season. They, yeah, they didn't start well. They and their pitching kind of let them down then. But yeah, you know they've been pitching well recently. Of course, you're probably just thinking Wainwright because he's he's yeah. like their he's that That's name guy. Think and, of, and right? he's, he's been pitching really poorly for the last couple of years. But like like I, like we said, Leak leading the league in ERA. Waka has been pitching really well. Lance Lynn he went toe for toe against Kershaw the other night. Carlos Martinez. I like Carlos he's, Martinez. He's one of the best pitchers in yeah. the league. He's very, very underrated. But and and this division should point out best record for last place. The Pirates are last, only four games below five hundred. So this is going to be a competitive division. Not much like the uh, NL East. No, and that's a good segue. We'll we'll go right into that with, <laughs> with Matt. One, the lone, lone team over five hundred. First, <laughs> Matt Winberg, Joker Sally on the Money Mitch effect. This is the Nationals division that I think it's safe to say. We came into this season thinking maybe the Mets could be the only team to challenge them, mm-hmm. and that's not looking good at the moment. The Braves are actually in second at 20-25 and 25 by a half game, but Marlins, Phillies, not doing well. Um, let start with the Nats, though. The Nats, when they made some of the moves they made, you look at the bats, you look at the pitching. I think top to bottom, you might not have a more complete team, offense and defense included, than the Nationals. Yeah, they're they're a scary good team, and they're they don't have any. <laughs> As you're showing me the stats right to now, to compete with them in that <laughs> division, so they're they're going to be the one team that like clinches by mid September. But I don't. They're it's just they can't get it done in the playoffs, which has been their problem. Like ever since they moved to Washington. Yeah. Well, they so. got the Padres coming up this weekend for Memorial. <laughs> they'll, they'll, they'll <laughs> <get that lead. laughs> they they scheduled that properly, but. Yeah. 
like we said, Nationals, first in batting <laughs> average, first on base percentage, first in runs, first in home runs, first in slugging percentage. That's it, in the their, league, their right? lineup That's in the league. In the league. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. absolutely ridiculous. When you got players like Ryan Zimmerman, who, oldie but, get, but goodie, I guess, hitting 371 this far into the season, it's absolutely insane. Murphy's still raking. Quietly, hitting 324. And A quiet 324. Quiet 324. Bryce Harper's being Bryce Harper, so. And this is all with Adam Eaton going down. They got Michael Taylor manning center field, and he's been... Sustaining it. So their questions are always going to be, can they get the pitching in the playoffs? I, I think that's what it comes down mm-hmm. to. In that Dodgers series last year, their bullpen let them great down. Series. Their starters <laughs> let them down. Yeah, no, it was a great It was a great series from an impartial fan perspective, but we'll see. Nobody else in this division scares me. I know it's early, but there's always teams like like the Giants making a run wouldn't surprise us, I don't think, if they turn it around. Just because it's but, the Giants. Well, the Mets, the Mets are losing pitching. Well, I mean, didn't. the pitching was their backbone, and... That's that's their worst <laughs> category is pitching. They're they're not pitching well. Can I ask you what what was going on with Syndergaard? Like was that just him being an idiot or you know? Uh, beats not, me. No, <laughs> no idea. I just think uh, it's Syndergaard, right? Not Degrom, who went down with the uh, injury. Oh, yeah, Syndergaard tore his lat. Yeah, yeah. When I when I said is he just being an idiot? He he gets injured a little bit and then fights through it and then tears his lat. If only you viewers could have seen the way we all looked at each other when he asked right, us that right. question. We were like, uh... <laughs> Not that that was on me. I was like, no. Uh, Syndergaard gets, has tightness in his arm. They tell him, hey, you probably sent one out. He says, no. I'm going to keep going. Dude's a competitor. I mean, can't, you can't, blame, you can't blame him. Can't really fault him for that. I mean, I guess you can't fault him for that now, but... <laughs> well, the National League... They don't, they don't have Cespedes. I mean, busy that's golfing. that's yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. their four hitter, but still, Confor- he's been filling been, in yeah. pretty well for he's him. He's been a beast this year. He's their like lone bright spot. Rest of their team, though. So, are you guys confident before we move to the American League that we're gonna just write off the NL East any wild card potential and look at yeah yeah definitely one in the West. We'll go maybe, Nats. Maybe two in the West. I mean, no, it's early, but it is. It's possible. I think it's going to be between those three teams in the West and then, obviously, St. Louis. Because everyone Cause just expects gonna, the Brewers yeah. to fade. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I'm of the same thinking, too. So well, That's Eric, kind of how I think it'll shake out. Eric Thames is already fading, so yeah. who's to say the Brewers won't follow suit with him? Dodgers look likely. Rockies are there. And, yeah, Diamondbacks are even Giants. I think we could legitimately see three uh, NOS teams. Well, be a hell of a wild card game. That's now. tough to see, though, because uh, you can't. The Cardinals, they got to make the playoffs. It's going to be Cardinals, Cubs. Not. Oh, man, it's going to be uh, it's going to be crazy in the season. Okay, all right. Well, I, they don't have to make the playoffs. Like, that's not a rule. I, I wouldn't be mad <laughs> if they didn't make the playoffs. I'm just saying they're that team that's always there. Yeah. yeah. Okay, well, sometimes change is good, but we'll see. They might be there. All right, American League now. Joe, I'll let you lead this one off with the New York Yankees, who, not the best team in the AL, that would be the Astros, but close, they're right there, and they're there behind some good young offense, Aaron Judge at the forefront, but as a Yankee fan, as a diehard, as a homer, that we all know, answer this question honestly, how surprised legitimately are you that they've started so well? Did you expect this? Dude, shocked. Okay. Like, Aaron Hicks has eight homers. <laughs> 28 RBIs. Everyone is contributing. They're they're pitching really well. Like Severino the other night threw eight innings of shutout ball. Where did that come from? Like, I don't know. <laughs> Judge le- tied for the league leading home runs. Everyone was like, ah, you never know. This guy strikes out too much. He doesn't hit for a lot of contact. Comes in, hitting like 300, 15 homers. Boom. And then everyone's contributing. Like I said, uh, the only the only thing that shocked me so far, aside from them being playing really well, is Greg Bird 
hitting like 100. Granted, he's on the DL now, but I really expected more out of him at first base. But lucky for the Yankees, they signed Matt Holiday in the offseason. They have a really, really, really good mix of veteran guys and young guys, and it's only going to get better because they have a lot of guys waiting in the wings and the minors. Yeah, no, I, I think the start of their season was just you couldn't script that. I mean, they, they hit a little bit of a dip, but they've been able to turn around. They're winning big games. They're winning close games. How many times last year yeah. did they lose close games? Pretty much every game. <laughs> right? And it was to teams like the, the Rays and, mm-hmm. and the Twins. But, I mean, the Yanks this year are just completely shocking. Like, everyone in New York loves Aaron Judge. Like like we were talking about before the show, they put the judges' chambers <laughs> in right field. They pick a certain amount of fans. They get to wear the things. And I forgot right field. how unbearable Yankee fans were when they're good. <laughs> it's yeah. so funny. It was a nice like, love, right? wasn't it? was it? like, oh, I just I didn't realize it, but... Um, I don't. I don't talk a lot of smack. No, I, just, I know. I just watch the you're game. One of the better ones. Red but Sox there. fans kind of took that. Yeah, go to Boston now. as a Yankee exactly. fan, and then you can let me know how you feel. Exactly. Exactly. The thing with the Yankees, though, they're not by any stretch of the woods out of the out of the woods in this division. No. I should say, Baltimore's stuck around right with, and Boston's there. And I mean, you look down Tampa Bay, who I'm actually impressed with each year that they're able to compete or, or yeah. stay relevant, given the the payroll differences, the star differences. And then you have Toronto actually bringing up the rear, but still respectable, uh, twenty-one and twenty-six record. With I look at Boston, they're the easiest one to go to. They add Chris Sale, you know, they're they're, they're still trying to just tack on salary. David Price is about <coughs> to come off the DL too. I right. saw rumblings of them scouting Quintana the other day. I was wow. like, come on, I can't get another pitcher. It's ridiculous. <laughs> but I still question the consistency of their lineup. You know, Ortiz was a big uh, lull, and we saw in the playoffs yeah. against the Indians mm-hmm. last year some of those bats. Just yeah. quite aren't ready for prime you take, time. And you take 40 home runs out of any lineup, it's going to falter. You can't just put Mitch Moreland at first base yeah. and expect him to hit 40. Down at he's been sick, though. I mean, he, he yeah. has been. That's but. why everyone thought they were going to sign Encarnacion, who your tribe ended up in picking right. up, and they thought that was going to be the natural plug-and-play for Ortiz. But, yeah, I think that they're still going to hang around until the end as well. I think it'll be between them and the Yankees for first. I don't know if the Orioles will be there at the end, but they need Zach Britton to get back there. And they need world Buck Showalter to play Zach yeah, Britton because uh, he's back. I'm <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little bit of that too. I, I think that their lineup will eventually catch fire. Bogarts, he's hitting for a good average so far, but doesn't have the power numbers from last year. And Betts has been a little bit of a disappointment so far, but I think it's only a matter of time before they get it going. I just... Uh... I get scared because I feel like the Yankees are kind of just lucky to this point. You're, you don't think they're quite as good as the Red Sox, but they've just... On paper, no, but when you yeah. watch the games, there's much more emotion. Mm-hmm. It's just like when, you, when you're watching a Yankee game compared to a Red Sox game, it just looks like they care more. They just want to be right. there. Like Brett Gardner in the offseason was talking about being traded the whole time. Well, yeah, they're playing and for now, their jobs. They're now, playing for... I mean, they haven't been in the playoffs the last couple of years. Well, so. it's, it could be too because these, these guys, they're looking down and they're like, oh crap, there's all these youngsters that are going to come up and steal my job and mm-hmm. take my money, so I'm going to play really well, and that's, what they're, that's what's, what's happening. And I didn't, even get, I didn't even mention Gary Sanchez is like the next coming for the Yankees. He's like that's the next dare cheater of the Yankees. It's like, <laughs> yeah. But... Well, I think it'll be interesting to see if they go with the patient route, if they think, okay, let's just see what happens this year and build, or if they get aggressive and try to add to that pitching. I pray to God they do not get aggressive because if they... Because they're not going to... I don't think they're a legit World Series contender until they add a couple more big arms. Now, I don't think they should do that. I'm with you. I think no. just let this year ride out and then keep building. you got to go back to what yeah. they were doing in the 90s and the early 1000s. you got to just... 
take the young guys and see how they play, and whichever ones pan out, they pan out, and if they don't, they don't. But Do you guys think the Blue Jays are a fire sale team? I mean, I know they're yeah. they're not dead yet, but if it goes south this summer. Do they start making some trades on loan these big contracts they uh, sign? They don't have Donaldson right now. They're only five games under 500, so it's it's He's a little early for them. watch, too, yeah. if they start uh, selling off assets. If that's the big one that's rumored out there. If they would deal Donaldson, that'd be a game-changing bat for whoever's in contention at that point, too. And Bautista's contract was just for this year, so he might be a goner next he's year anyway. He's 38, right? Yeah, he's, he's, a, he's not that old, but he's, he is in his 30s, there. his late 30s, yeah. All right, got to talk about the AL Central with you guys. Uh, Matt Wittenberg, Joe Crisali here on the Money Mitch Effect. How the Indians are not in first place, Chad, and the Twins are. This is, the Twins. This isn't about... The Twins. I, I think they'll catch them. I think that's fine. Yeah. But it's been a very disappointing season where they've, they've got a losing record at home so far for the Indians' team that, let's be honest, has pressure on them for the first time in a long time. Yeah, I think that's gotten to them. And... You know, Encarnacion started slow. Kipnis was out of the lineup still. Some of the hitting has not come around yet. I'm, I'm patient, though. I think eventually it will. I.e. Edwin Encarnacion. And um, Corey Kluber on the DL right now. So, yeah, some health issues. Obviously, this is the time when you want to have those. You don't want these going into August, September, the like stretch run. But I think they'll be fine. Andrew Miller is still Andrew Miller. Cody Allen, who's probably been the best closer in baseball this season, is amazing. But... I think, yeah, I'm not sure you have too much to worry about there, Mitch. The Twins aren't sustainable. Miguel Sano for them has been playing at an all-star yeah, level, though. But Best road record in baseball, 14-5. Yeah. and five. Who would have thought? The Twins. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, look at the look at their <laughs> competition. Like, what is, uh, yeah, look division. at their competition in the in the Central. They play the Royals, who are 19-27. and 27, dead last. They play the White team. Sox, who are rebuilding the Tigers, who might also be another fire sale team. So you can't really... <laughs> say the Twins are going to be this super... Yeah. They're not in the top story, 10 in really any category as far as statistics go. <laughs> the Royals are going to be the team to watch. I, I think we're going to see... That team's going to get blown up yeah. by oh, July. Yeah. They had such a... Me and, me and we were talking the other day. They had such, such a small window. They won they their won World though. Series. They, they won the their two. World Series, and then that's it for them. They're, they're going to have to get rid of Hosmer, Kane, Moustakis. Everyone is going to be gone because they're, they have probably the worst minor league system in baseball. So... They're going to need to do something. Yeah, and, and it's funny because it was the best, and then it became the worst. You know, it's funny it that they, you know, it does go in cycles. On but it was, it was so, so quick for them. They yeah. like they were not prepared for it at all. When Hunter Dozier is your best prospect, you probably should reassess. Yeah, probably. Although, and that's what I think is going to save the Indians, is that the competition isn't going to just grind them out. Neither the Tigers They're or the They're the most talented there. team in that division by, by a mile, just on, <laughs> looking at them on paper, so... I think they'll be okay. And they got Bradley Zimmer came up, their top prospect, so they're they're yeah, ready to go. It should be fine. Well, one last division to talk about, and that's the AL West, with the Astros setting the pace by a long, long margin, 31-16, best record in baseball right now. And we thought this team could bounce back because the one thing that kept them out of the playoffs last year was they could not beat the Rangers. They were like 3-18 and 18 on the year against the Rangers. Yeah, the Rangers won, won what, like 11, 12 games in a row? Yeah. yeah they've, been really, they've been really hot lately, too. And, and they're not in first. No, they're not. That's how big of a margin the, the Astros started out with. You, you, you're getting hitting out of every one of their, just one to nine, basically, they're, they're performing. But Dallas Keuchel, I mean, if we talk about, I know it's early on the Cy Young race, but this guy is just pacing his team and I'm I'm a fan of what they do I think they've constructed a complete team 
much like the Nationals, where we're just going to say, all right, let's see you do it in the playoffs. Yeah, exactly. Because the last time they made the playoffs, they should have beat the Royals, and they uh, blew it, and the Royals won the World Series that mm-hmm. year. So This is a team that uh, really depended on their analytics team. <coughs> like They signed Charlie Morton to a two-year deal. Guy's in his late 30s. He's pitching really well this year. Keiko, like you said, they, they had faith in him last year. He wasn't very good this year. He's one of the best pitchers in baseball. I just, I just want to stop you there for a second. It's one thing to have faith in a guy, just to have faith. But what I saw in Keiko last year was a lot like what you've seen in years that, for the Indians, as the Indians fan, Corey Kluber's had, where the record doesn't tell the full story, where your team was kind of letting you down a little bit last year. And they were like, all right, it's just not his best year. He'll be fine. His stuff's still good. And I think that's what happened. I think they kept having faith in him, and it's paid off this year. But the rest of that division, I mean, the Rangers slow out of the gates. The Angels are 500, which is a step up. Oakland's still where they are. The Mariners again, another one of those darling yeah. picks and dead last. A lot last of people division. have faith in them this year. They, they, they're like this year's Dodgers, though, as far as starters on the DL. Felix Hernandez is on the DL. James Paxton's on the DL. Iwakuma is on the DL for them. So yeah, they're a little bit of a hard luck team, and they're. I don't know. I don't think that they're going to be able to keep the pace with Houston. They're probably going to be able to pass up. Oakland and Anaheim, or Los Angeles of Anaheim, I guess. <laughs> Whatever it is, yeah. <laughs> Whatever they're called. Orange Their old logo was better anyway. It was, yeah. And I well, think that the Rangers will probably be the best competition for the Astros. But the I, I the just way. can't see anyone. I mean, I know it's early and anything could happen, but <laughs> I would put the odds. I'd give them a good payout if you took, said, told me right now the Rangers were going to overtake the Astros and win the division. But yeah. if you look at that playoff picture, guys, it's not on the wrong possibility that three of these teams could come out of the AL East. No, not at all. I mean, the Central, we're just pretty much assuming is a wash. That's a, a, a one-team Yeah, league. just yeah, like yeah. the NL East. It's crazy. Four teams in that division are terrible. They're going to be terrible. Like, the Twins, I'm counting right. them as not okay. good. They're, they're okay. They're, they're okay. I mean, it's just like place. the rest of the team. Like, terrible, how is terrible, that possible? Terrible. Like, one team is just one. Oh, it's crazy. It's I, And I don't know that you could – I mean, Rangers are the only other team, I think. Yeah, I would agree. So, so you're looking at – Beltray back, and they've been performing well for – Decently well now without him since Gallo's been hitting, but they obviously yeah, miss 180. him a lot. <laughs> 180 with 14 yeah. home runs and like a million strikeouts. <laughs> so before we wrap this up, guys, I, I do want to just, by the way, I saw the uh, the highlight of my MLB season so far was Joey Votto just owning that fan. That was hilarious. Yeah, that was <laughs> I remember when you used to be good. Yeah, I remember when you used to be thin. That was great. <laughs> See, I got just, a great life. I got yeah, a lot to lose. Exactly. Yeah. Just tro- That was perfect. Um, who are some of the guys that have been eye-opening this year. We mentioned Judge and some of the players, but you know, maybe MVP candidates, Rookie of the Year. If there is a Dodger that may have caught your heart with, I think there is at least one. There is at least one, and who fits that Rookie of the Year bill would be uh, Cody Bellinger, actually from uh, Arizona, funny enough. And then he played in the Little League World Series, so if you want to catch the video of him saying, Hi, my name's Cody Bellinger, my favorite player. <laughs> I can't remember who he said his favorite player was, but... That's up there on YouTube. Yeah, he's been big-time spark club playing out of position, too. They have him playing in left field most of the time, even though he's a natural first baseman. But obviously with injuries in the outfield and Adrian Gonzalez there, but he's been performing really well. I lost his stats, but he was the fastest Dodger to nine homers, I think, ever. And he's going to be – Yeah, I feel like every year they have a new prospect in the pipeline who just 
comes up and has a good season, but two and, years. And saves them, yeah. too. Like, I should point that out. How many of these last couple of years have you needed these young no, guys? No, that's true. That Absolutely. Two years ago, Jock, last year, obviously Jock's falling off now, but his rookie year, he was great. Last year, was Corey Seager, and now Cody Bellinger just get, yeah, going Jack's in gotta, the Jock's got to stop cultivating mass there. I mean, I could easily say pretty much the entire Yankees roster, but that's just not fair for me to say that because it's, I mean, it's the truth. Mm-hmm. But I'll say somebody that everybody knows, Mike Trout. Mm-hmm. He's, he's having the best season of his career somehow, even though he's the best player in baseball. And it's super sad, like me and we were talking the other day, that he's in his prime and it's being wasted on one of the worst teams in baseball you hate to see it but you love to see how good this guy is and the fact that he's even gotten better this year compared to previous years is insane yeah no you're definitely right here's who i'm gonna go with though because i gotta i mean i'm an indians fan through and through and i'm a casual rockies fan but i'm a charlie blackman (laughs) Leading the league in RBIs and hitting 320. From the leadoff spot. From the leadoff spot. This is an MVP finalist for sure. Could win it because he doesn't have to compete against uh, Mike Trout. That's true. (laughs) But, you know, could could win it. But that's that's been huge for them. They've gotten it from him. But, yeah, I mean, Trout is just – what can you say about it? Yeah, he's – Head and shoulders. He'll probably wear pinstripes in a couple years, though. Oh, could you imagine what the Yankees would have to give up to get a Trout? Well, I'm saying he's gonna, he seems like a guy that'll just play out his contract and then I don't leave. Know, I mean, if, he, if he's smart enough, he'll just look around and be like, "They're not really I've given you everything. Yeah. Like, you can't feel bad at yeah. that point. You can't. He could be there. You however many years. However many years. He's a good soldier. He hasn't said anything bad. But all right, guys, this was fun. Uh, I do want one last thing before we go. NFL celebration rules. Yeah. Are we good now? I mean, we make they're looking at guys that make dance videos back in the day. Yeah, exactly. So I'm, I'm, I'm a little, I'm, I'm happy. They're, they're, they're easing up on it. I'm bummed they didn't bring back uh, the dunk, though. That was the one that I was kind of looking forward to. But, yeah, it's about time that they lightened up on that. So good all around. Bring back the dance videos. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with that. It's just there's so many more rules that need to be changed in the league that we won't even get into, but the, the celebrations is a good start. All right. Okay. Well, that was good. Thanks, guys, for coming to the show. And, uh, yeah, go Sounders tonight. I yeah, I guess I can't handle like it. It's always a good day when you see a Penguins fan cry. So I hope. <laughs> I hope or Sidney Crosby. Or he's getting annihilated. And Pierre Maguire. You see both of them cry together. I mean, well, that's Amazing. A deal. Yeah, it has to be. But, all right, guys. Appreciate it. All right, thank you. See ya. That's it for today's show. Big thanks to TD St. Matthew Daniel, Matt Wittenberg, and Joe Crisali. Thanks to everybody out there for listening. You can find every episode of The Money Mitch Effect on SoundCloud, iTunes, or Google Play. You can follow me on Twitter, MoneyMitchM21. Last night, gotta, gotta mention this, Senators, Penguins, double overtime, Game 7. You can't ask for much more unless you're a Senators fan or, or a little tired of seeing the Penguins win. But all credit to them. They win a big game. It's Predators and Penguins in the Stanley Cup Final. And a great year for Craig Anderson. All he's been through a great performance and goal for the Senators. Netminder, but it will be Penguins and Predators playing for the Stanley Cup. Next week, there'll be shows talking about the finals in both sports, hockey, and basketball. We'll be discussing that. And some French Open talk as well as that starts this Sunday. But for everybody out there, thanks for listening to the Money Mitch Effect. Thank you for being a part of the show. Have a great Memorial Day weekend. Enjoy baseball, enjoy tennis, and get ready for some final sports. Mitch Michaels here. Thanks for listening. This was the Money Mitch Effect.